You're listening to Wholesaling Inc. episode number 444. That's been really a big part of my success in virtual wholesaling is I'll utilize their cash buyer site and I'll just start advertising that site into different markets. And like you said, start filling out the cash buyers in that market. And then you begin to see who's really legit. Those are the ones I was jumping on the phones with, having conversation with, really building that rapport, getting information. And then from there now, I'm able to make an educated decision on what market maybe I should be in. Then also by knowing where those cash buyers want to buy in, now I can be very specific in my marketing for sellers. This is game-changing information guaranteed to raise your real estate wholesaling business with actionable steps you can take immediately to navigate the ins and outs of wholesaling and start making money today. Join us as we put our guests in the hot seat and dive deep to dissect their strategies for success to enable you to duplicate their results. Investor Grit presents Wholesaling Inc., the only show dedicated to making you a fortune in wholesaling with your hosts, Tom Kroll and Cody Hoffheim. Welcome to the Wholesaling Inc. podcast. I am your host, Lauren Hardy. And if this is your first time listening in, welcome. Today, we have Adrian Nez visiting us. Adrian is one of the best, most awesome virtual investors that I know. Adrian is the owner of Chief Marketing, and he's also head of customer strategy at Investor Carrot. Adrian, how's it going? Good. I'm excited to be here with you. I know we got a chance to have you on our coaching call with Carrot that I do there. So I know that you brought a lot of value when I had you on our show, but I'm excited to be on yours. Super excited. So thank you for having me. Now we go back and we've been friends for a long time. What we had in common was that we were both virtual investors. We did not live in the area where we were wholesaling and flipping houses in. And I was living in Southern California. And where were you living at the time? I was in rural West Virginia. So me and my wife, we were up there. We're serving up there. We're not missionaries, but we were serving in ministry there. That's when I discovered real estate wholesaling because real quick background with me is I've been always involved in real estate. Grew up in Phoenix, Arizona. I was more involved in real estate more in the new development, that aspect of it. So I never even knew anything else other than that. But when I was in West Virginia, I mean, we were in a town of 1,500 people, not 15,000. 1500. <laughs> this is where like people don't move there. People are trying to actually are trying to get out. And this is before we had kids too. So I had a lot of downtime. And that's when I kind of start dabbling back into real estate, just kind of poking around on the internet. I had a good friend of mine, him and his brother were one of the original Flip This House show on A&E back in the day. She knew me because I had a marketing background already. And she reached out and said, Hey, Dave is going to do this real estate course. Love to have you check it out. See, hear your perspective. And I said, yeah, yeah, why not? I got nothing else to do. So then he called it wholesaling. And when I heard that, I literally took it literally. Are you buying a bunch of houses in bulk and reselling it? As I jumped on that call and began to listen to what they were teaching, they weren't talking about flipping houses or talking about flipping paper. And to me, that was kind of like my uh, moment because real quick, coming from an inbound marketing background, about seven, eight years ago, inbound marketing was still a fairly new concept. So I really didn't, didn't quite have an avenue to apply that skill set to because it was still new. So when I began to learn about wholesaling and how you market, because they were talking a lot about direct mail, bandit signs, you know, your, your traditional way of marketing. And I kept waiting like, okay, they're going to mention online marketing like any minute. Like it's coming, right? Then the, the, the call was over and I reached out to her and said, listen, I said, why aren't you guys talking about internet marketing? And 
they seem baffled. And I said, yeah, I mean, you can totally leverage the internet to set up your business to where people are coming to you and all this concept. And I was like, man, so that's when I kind of had my aha moment. I said, wait a minute, like I need to prove this concept to where I'm leveraging first the internet. I'm leveraging a current skill set I already had. And I just ran with it. So it's kind of make a long story short, just ran with it. Got hooked up with Carrot. They had a website that was easy to implement, quick implementation, didn't have to worry about the technical setup, any of that. And plus, what I loved about Carrot was their website were built by marketers, mm-hmm. not designers or techie people, because techie people and designers are not marketing experts. You know, they don't understand conversion. So when I kind of all that stuff came together, I just ran with it. So and I tried to run it in West Virginia, but we just didn't have a market. The market was just like flat. Like they've already had their boom like a hundred years ago. And <laughs> I mean, literally. So so I said, okay. And then I started dominating that market, right? I mean, it was really nothing to brag about. Cause I mean, funny thing back then, a lot of people call it hotel deals. Mm-hmm. I was actually doing a lot of hotel deals back then. Didn't even know what it was called. I was basically selling my properties to just everyday people that wanted to find a fixer upper house. So I was doing a lot of hotel deals because in West Virginia, there's a lot of, People make a ton of money cash, but no one really had the knowledge or education to build up credit, be financially educated. So, but they had cash. The meaning price point in West Virginia was seventy-five thousand, and I ended up start picking up properties at twenty, anywhere between fifteen and twenty, and was flipping them for thirty-five. That was kind of the average. Cool thing is, I found an attorney there locally that was willing to do double closing. Like again, I just did this so ignorantly, like. <laughs> I just asked, hey, why do you do a double closing? He goes, sure. And and he told me, he probably educated me more than I knew, but he said, well, as long as you find your buyer is willing to pay by cashiers or they wired in, we can use their proceeds. And I never knew that you could do that. So there's a lot of right things happen. But then after a while, I was doing just maybe one deal a month, basically, which was not bad, good margins. But then I was like, man, I started getting bored. And then someone actually challenged me to like, oh, you're just dominating West Virginia because it's West Virginia. And I said, yeah, I mean, I'm not going to disagree with that. I said, well, pick a city for me and I'll start learning how to do this virtually. And they chose Pittsburgh, which is my nearest metropolitan. So I kind of learned how to, just like you, I learned how to run before I learned how to walk. Because really virtual, I mean, it is so backwards to, you know, because traditionally you're taught, start in your own backyard, go deep, learn your market. And that sounds all good, but the reality is your own backyard may not be your best way to get started. It may not it may not make the most sense. And that's one thing I know, me and you know each other for a while. I've always loved how you knew when to pivot, right? I know that's kind of the word I always use with you because it's so true. Like you learn from California. That to me, I was I mean, me and you, we always talk about how many other investors are talking about it, but some things just never make sense, right? Like, are they really doing this virtually? You know, but I just knew when talking with you, you knew what you were doing. You were doing it right and and you're making it happen. And I think that's the thing that I always felt was really cool about you is that you were doing it, you know, because I know you use carrots, so I could see that. But yeah, that's kind of the quick, short, long summary of of why I had to do virtual wholesaling. And it's the one of the coolest things I just learned back then was we just had to figure it out back then when we got started, right? We didn't really have as many courses or people that can walk us through. And even now there's an abundance of information, but now it's, it's hard to know who to trust. People like to throw around the guru word. 
you know, back then we just had to figure it out. And that's kind of what we did. But it's cool. You know, I know you're doing it really well. So that's kind of where that whole thing started with with my relationship with Carrot, why I had to do virtual wholesaling, leveraging the internet. And part of it was just kind of just, I was kind of embarrassed to do bandit signs. I, I remember when, um, when I went through that first course, they were talking a lot about bandit signs. I know I didn't have the patience to do direct mail, but I, I just went all in. Basically, but at the same time, just follow the proven concept. But I just had to do it from a distance. So I got to know you because I had you work on my website and do my SEO and you set up my carrot sites mm-hmm. for me and everything. And I am a carrot user. The cool thing about investor carrot websites when you're virtual. So when you're virtual, I do recommend trying different markets out and just seeing where you get that fuzzy feeling. I always compare it to like Goldilocks and the three bears where you're like, this market's too hot. This market's too cold. This one's just right. (laughs) But the thing is, is you need legitimacy. You know, you can't really go marketing to sellers and not have a website. You look shady and weird. You need to have a website. It's like having a business card, you know? And so with Investor Carrot, you could just go on create a quick site in like, I don't even know if you're really good at it, like 15 minutes, you know, and you'll have your local web presence and then boom, you're off to the races and you can test out different markets until you find the one that you want to keep. I really do like the investor carrot products and I don't know, they've really worked out for me. And I think you brought up a great point is that a lot of people, I think one thing I I try to encourage newbies to kind of stay away from is getting caught up in the grunt work, things that you don't need to do. And one of the things that you guys should not be trying to do is trying to set up your own website. There's so much more to it. I mean, here's the crazy part using carrot. And again, I'm not, we're not trying to push carrot, but this is the reality of it. I would rather like, if I started a business today, launch a site in five minutes or less, and then spend the next month creating my buyers list so I know which market like you're talking about, like start filling out different markets in the next month. Or do you want to spend the next month trying to dabble in your coding? You got Now you got to write content. Now you got to update your virus stuff. And mm-hmm. that stuff can be so time consuming. You know, especially when you're trying to start in this business, if you're starting part time, like you can maximize every hour, every minute that you're trying to make this work, you know, if you're working a full-time job. And the last thing you want to be doing is dabbling in trying to set up your own website because you're trying to save, you're trying to cut costs, or you listen to someone on Facebook who, who's just not an expert, but they're just thinking it more from a cost perspective. Like I always tell people like, man, can you imagine listening to a builder telling you to, to use the cheapest material and using the cheapest way to build a house? Like, I probably wouldn't use them, right? But yeah, I mean, that's been really a big part of my success in the virtual wholesaling is I'll utilize their cash buyer site and I'll just start advertising that site into different markets. And like you said, start filling out the cash buyers in that market. And then you begin to see who's really legit. Those are the ones I was jumping on the phones with, having conversation with, really building that rapport, getting information. And then from there now, I'm able to make an educated decision on what market maybe I should be in. Then also by knowing where those cash buyers want to buy in, now I can be very specific in my marketing for sellers, right? Instead of just trying to cast a wide net in that new market, I can really pinpoint where I'm targeting, whether I'm doing Google AdWords, or even if I hire someone to put up bandit signs, right? You don't want to just throw a bunch of bandit signs all across the city. I mean, I guess that that's better than nothing. But I, I always like to be very strategic, very precise. And one of the best ways that I've done that is just by using a cash buyer site and then just putting it out there. That, that kind of has become my catalyst when I go into a new market. So let me stop you for a second. Okay, Investor Carrot, let's 
specify a little bit. There are seller sites where their websites mm-hmm. are pre-made template websites that are yep. there to attract sellers of houses. And then there is the buyer site, which are mm-hmm. pre-made templates to actually attract buyers to your buyers list. So you can compile your you know buyers list in whatever territory you decide to stick with. Yep. So how can somebody utilize... Because I'm actually curious... How are you utilizing the buyer site to gain more buyer exposure? Are you using other forms of marketing like SEO or Facebook ads? Or what are you doing to draw the traffic to that buyer site to grow your buyer's list? What can our listeners do? Yeah. So actually, there's only two. I only focus on Craigslist and Facebook groups. Those are easy, fast, and free. When it comes to the cash buyer site, I don't really mess with SEO because there's really no need to. Because SEO takes time and that just makes more sense because typically a motivated seller is going to go on Google and do a search versus a cash buyer. Usually a cash buyer, I think people have kind of been programmed to out to pretty much know if they do a Google search, they're probably going to get more realtor sites mm-hmm. or agent sites when they look up investment properties. Right. Than real wholesale sites like, you know, as wholesalers as we provide. So Craigslist and Facebook group. So real quick, Craigslist, I run two ads is one ad. Cause here's the thing, guys. If you really want to get the attention of who you want to work with, you got to speak their language. So what I like to do is the way I like to test the market is, okay, is this more of a flip market or is this more of a buy and hold market? So what I'll do is I'll create one ad that basically my headline says, looking for more cash flow. Okay. And who's that going to talk to? That's going to talk to the buy and hold. When you speak their language, you're going to get their attention. Instead of just going with the general message, hey, you're looking for your next deal, right? Deal that could mean anything. But you know, like here's a good example. Like I'm a big Mac user. So if, if there's a Facebook ad that says, hey, how to increase the battery life of your laptop, it could probably get my attention. But if it says how to increase the battery life of your Mac Pro, that's going to get my attention. So I do that with Craigslist. The other ad I like to use is, are you looking for your next project? So that usually is talking to the rehabber. And the reason why I do that is some of my best buyers has been flippers that are just trying to keep their crew busy. So now what I do is, if I know who I'm primarily dealing with, that helps us more on the acquisition side too. Mm-hmm. Like, Are we able to offer more? Or do we need to stick to the you know the 75 70% ARV formula because a lot of times we find out we'll ask questions hey awesome you're looking for this project but one of the questions i ask on my this is the cool thing with the carrot site on the cash buyer site you can customize the questions that you're asking when they fill out a form and that can tell a really really a story of of who you're dealing with so one of the questions i ask is hey are you a rehabber or buying whole if you're buying whole are you going to refinance this in six months? Because I want to be, be able to gauge where I need to be when we negotiate, uh, when we're picking up properties on the acquisition side. Also, if they're a rehabber, I'll ask them, hey, do you use private money? It, more than likely, if they use private money, and I'm getting a lot of yeses on that, it probably means that now we need to be really good at getting these properties at 70% of ARV. right? So, Because every market is going to be different. So that gives us some really good insight. Because a lot of times as investors, right, we're always talking about data, data, data. So this is one way you can create your own data. That's right. why I say that my cash buyer list is a big, big catalyst for what I do when I go into a new market. So, um, so Craigslist, that's what I do there. Facebook, real simple. Facebook is, is slowly, slowly becoming a um, search engine as well. So if you're in Pittsburgh, for an example, start typing in Pittsburgh real estate. 
And then all the selections, all the available groups is going to automatically pop up. And I just start joining each of those groups. And then as I get approved, usually the ones that require approval, usually determines it's a good quality group, not the one that instantly just accepts you. So not to say that one could be better, but I just have found that. The reason why I bring that up is that if you typically have to be approved to be brought in, just kind of be aware. Don't be slamming people right away mm-hmm. with, hey, join my cash buyers list. What I do is anytime I join a new group, I'll probably spend an hour and, and just start going through the history of all conversations. I'll see if there's anything that I can jump into. Or you can usually see who's a real cash buyer, right? You can really see who's legit, who's a wholesaler. You, know, you can just kind of just see through people just by seeing the conversation. Then from there, you can begin to know, hey, maybe I should direct message this guy or this gal. You know, So it's, it's as simple as that. It's as simple as that. Just Facebook, Craigslist, and just learning how to use them strategically. Initially, you're probably going to spend a little bit of time but over time, you can eventually start delegating this over to maybe a VA or someone within the office or your lead manager. In Craigslist, where in Craigslist are you posting? For sale by owner? I go into housing. I go under the housing section and then real estate for sale. Okay. Real estate right. for sale. And then you maybe post an ad saying, yeah. what does the ad say? Like you said, so, it, depending on looking for a new project or looking for some cash flow, that's like the... That's the title, and then that lures them in, and then yeah, and then what does like yeah. a typical ad say? Exactly, and not just I'm to the point because here's the thing too. I don't want to start getting too creative with what I make it a long drawn out ad because a lot of people can start getting flagged for spam, wow. and a lot of times people say Craigslist flag me. You'll be surprised how many times it's not Craigslist themselves; it's their community. Because remember, guys. Craigslist is a community and they depend on their community to report spam. So it could just be someone ignorant who thinks that you're just spamming, providing, like offering something crazy. So be careful. Here's one thing that if if you're having some problems getting, you're getting flagged a lot, just imagine it's someone ignorant who doesn't understand what we do. So now I would recraft my ad in a way that's just more real. One of the things you could do is I'm going to use more of a motivated seller one just for now, but just to prove my point. So to kind of stay under the radar, instead of saying, "Hey, real estate investor here is paying top dollar for a property that we'll buy from as is," right? I mean, something you know that's kind of can be over the top, but be very discreet. But instead of saying something like, "Hey, I'm a real estate investor," say, "Hey, local guy, have a lot of time on my hands." I'm looking for a fixer up that I can work on in my free time. So instead of being an investor, you're just a handyman just looking for a side project. Mm-hmm. You see how there's a, there's a really big difference on your approach. One is more aggressive and one is just like, I'm just an everyday dude. So kind of find and be creative with that because Craigslist really is a great source. And Craigslist is very, very easy when it comes to finding buyers versus sellers. Because again, look at the psychology of what a classified ad is. Most people will use a classified ad to buy something versus sell something. Mm -hmm. If they want to sell it, they're going to post an ad. Mm -hmm. So the chunk of traffic that's going to come with a classified platform is typically more buyers. So that's why you're going to have more success with buyers than you are going to be with sellers, right? Because it just makes sense. I totally agree with you. And I love that we kind of got on this tangent about building your buyers list, utilizing the carrot site. But most importantly, 
why building your buyers list if you are choosing to go virtual is probably one of the first things you want to do because it gives you data. It tells you what type of buyers are here? What type of market is this? So what type of offers do I need to be making to sellers once I get a motivated seller on the phone? Because I know what one of the biggest mistakes I've made in going into virtual markets when I first got started was I did not know what to offer sellers. I was offering way too low because I was assuming I was in a flippers market. And I was offering the, you know, kind of those typical 70% minus repair type rules. And the sellers were telling me to go pound sand every time. And I couldn't figure it out. I was going, wait, what am I doing wrong? Why are the sellers here so mean? (laughs) And I wasn't until I realized, and it was in some of our conversations that you and I had privately that I, okay, this is not that type of market. And I need to price property more like a commodity. You need to look at property like it's a commodity, you know, like it's it's a cup of coffee. How much is a buyer, an end buyer willing to pay for that cup of coffee, right? Or that mm, house. Right, right. And um, that's why it's important to talk to your buyers, build a buyer's list and really get to know the buyers and what their end play is for the property. And then you reverse engineer, you reverse engineer your marketing and you market for those exact type of properties that they buy. And you make sure you are offering at competitive rates that the your competition is offering. And the best way to do that is setting up that buyer site on Carrot, getting some buyers, start networking. That is a really, really great tip. And I didn't really realize our episode would go that direction, but I love it. And, and that's the thing too, guys. Don't ever think that your cash buyers is, is always good, right? I, like I always talk to people and say, Hey, how's your cash buyers list? And I don't ask that question for the sake of like dispositions, but more or less, how well are you willing to know your market? Because the better the buyer's list, I mean, it's amazing the insight you can get on a market just in a 15-minute conversation with someone that's there. Right? Yeah. And what you thought is usually not what it is. What you never would have known gets exposed just by having that simple conversation. So be willing to, to jump on a phone, right? I mean, that was kind of the things that... I'll be honest, I don't really enjoy dispositions. That's why now... I have an agent on my team who who handles all that. He's just great at that. Mm-hmm. But if I had to start over, like it's one of those things, you just have to just do it, right? I think a lot of times we dread talking to people, we dread building rapport. Don't be afraid. Don't you know? There's a lot of hacks out there. I, I hear about hey, exchange buyers list with someone else, or just kind of draw people to your, you know, whatever. But I think a big part of the value is just get to know your cash buyers. They will give you insight that will help you do more deals, more profitable deals, but also it helps you make stay away from those mistakes because you'd be surprised how many people just like to talk and you just got to just let them talk. One of my first pieces of advice in my coaching program is to find the boots on ground. And that is the best boots on ground are some of your buyers. But you bring up a good point that sometimes you get a hold of the wrong person on the phone. You know, If you don't talk to enough buyers and maybe you talk to just one guy who maybe might not be the most experienced in the market, it kind of turns into a blind leading the blind situation. So you definitely want to build a large buyers list and make sure you're talking to like 10, 15 buyers for 15 minutes each, like before you come up with some kind of like conclusion of your offer pricing in that market, because you could really get stirred in the wrong direction if you speak to the wrong person. 
So Adrian, how can people get a hold of you if they want to learn more about you know, SEO? Say they set up a carrot site and they want to learn more about SEO. You can email me at Adrian, A-D-R-I-A-N, at mychiefmarketing.com. My chief marketing, so my or chief marketing.com, or better yet, uh, follow me on Instagram. I love that platform, by the way. It's such a positive platform. I like it better than uh, Facebook. So I'm pretty active there. So feel free to find me there. My handle there is the Adrian Nez. Follow me and send me a direct message. Let me know, hey, I heard you on the uh, podcast with Lauren. Would love to chat. I love talking real estate and marketing. So anything I can do to serve you guys on this call, I'm always willing to do that. Okay, guys. Well, Adrian, thank you so much for spending time with me today. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. And again, if you guys want to reach out, I will include Adrian's information on the show notes. And Adrian, you have a good rest of your day. We'll have to do this again soon. Oh, thank you so much for having me. And uh, guys, follow Lauren. She's awesome. Real deal. I see a lot of educators in this business. A lot of people come and go. But if there's someone that you guys should really be connected with, Make that investment. Proof of concept is all in her. So, ah, oh, thank you guys. Yeah, follow me on Instagram. It's my handle is this mom flips. Would love to be friends. All right, guys, have a good one. That's all for this episode. Your next step to success is to continue the conversation over at investorgrit.com by joining the mailing list, as well as get your chance to book a strategy session to learn the systems and become part of the tribe with your hosts, Tom Kroll and Cody Hoffheim. We'll see you next episode with more ways to make you a fortune in wholesaling.